Hey everyone, thanks for watching this video. So this interview ended up going longer than uh, what we could put in one video. And so as with the last interview, this will be divided up into two parts. And so you can find links to both parts in the video description so that when both of these have been released, you'll be able to find um, both videos in the description below. Welcome back. Um, we today have, again, another former member and leader from the World Mission Society Church of God, um, and his name is Luke uh, from England. And so this guy has, I think, a very interesting story that, um, yeah, just a lot of unique things about his testimony and his experience in the church that I'm, I'm honestly, uh, most of his story I don't even know myself. So we're, we're going to jump in and start talking. And, uh, and I think he has a lot of interesting stuff to share with us that will really help you out. I hope if you're a member, a current member, you will really listen, listen objectively and just listen to what he has to say. Um, know that, that he's speaking from a real experience of multiple years being in the church. And so, um, yeah, I think if you listen, this, this conversation will be very helpful for you. So Luke, welcome. Hey, God bless you. Hello, you okay? I'm good. Thank you so much for, for reaching out and being willing to come on and, and talk with us today. Yeah, no problem. Your channel's really good. I came across it just by chance and I straight away found your Instagram and just trying to message you guys immediately. Your channel actually gave me the courage after leaving the church years ago to want to do my video. That's great. That's great. I'm, yeah, that, that makes us happy. It, it seems like there's a bit of a... Yeah, there's some motion happening where a lot of members are seeing the the former member testimonies we're putting out, and it's kind of inspiring other former members to kind of want to come out and share their story as well. Even all the way over here in England, so you know you're doing a good job. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, I think what we want to do to start out is is we just kind of want to hear, um, maybe just tell us, like, just really quick, like, how how did you get to be involved with the World Mission Society? Yeah, that's not a problem. So I was around, I've just turned 17. I was in college at the time. And um, they had a house church, literally around the corner from a college. So the first time I'd met them, they came to me with like a little binder and told me about his mother, God. And I immediately rejected as I heard mother. I was like, first, I made sure it wasn't Virgin Mary. After that, I was like, oh, no, thank you. And then I thought that was it. I'd gotten home. Which were when I lived with my, my last partner, and then they were there. And then she was like, no, you need to give these guys a listen. I was like, no, 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 I don't want to listen to these guys. I'm not interested. And then like she forced me to come one day to the church. It was a house. I thought, okay, this is not a church. That was a red flag for me. I thought, why is it a house? I listened to them, and he immediately told me the prophecy about 2012. When I met them, that was 2010. Okay. So I was young. So I said, okay, I've, I've got two years <laughs> to come back to this church. <laughs> that was my first thought, being honest. So I ended up joining the church around the end of 2010. I was baptizing at a house church in the bath by the pastor. And then he literally showed me, um, it was, he used the book of John. He used one of Anne Sang Hong's book. 
I read it, it was Korean, but the numbers were English, and it did say 2012. So I was like, I was shocked. So this was in one of Ong Song Hong's books? Yep. Okay. I was too shocked, but it was, I know it was a grey book. Okay. And, and he says, come and look if you don't believe it. Because I was sat there like, okay, you're telling me the world's ending in 2012. I was aware of the Mayan calendar and, you know, yeah. other, other uh, and back then in England, the uh, Mormons were very well-known. Yes, around. they were. Yeah, I was always like, on guard. And then, um, yeah, I, he showed it me, I seen it. At the time, I didn't know who An Sang Hong was, so at the time, to me, that was just a church book. So you can understand later on, years later, I thought, oh my goodness, God has told me it's 2012. So um, at the time, my partner was pregnant, she got baptised first. It took me a while to get baptized. I was still quite skeptical. I'd never been to a church that was in a house before. Not that I'm a judgmental person, but naturally you think churches are in, you know, church buildings. And then um, the pastor preached to me. And then I said, okay, I'll, I'll get baptized. I'll, I'll, try, I'll try it. But he didn't use the word baptism first. He used like a spiritual, like cleansing. That, that's the way he used first. Okay. He says, you know it. Nobody gets baptised into a church and I'm nothing about either. <laughs> so I, I got baptised and then um, they straight away they tell me certain things. So when they said about 2012, that's what caught my interest. So because I was at the time I was young, I was living my life. So I said, OK, I've got two years. I probably could join back this church next year. I ended up joining later on that year. Okay. And then he, he was very strong in teaching about the 2012 prophecy. The whole room, me and my last partner, he's my daughter's mother, and um, her brother and her sister was in the room and we was all quite, was shocked. It was absolutely, I was like, okay. quite scared to be honest. Because they were, they were just kind of straight up telling you 2012 yeah. is the end, okay? And so what was this like the leadership was this like members who were you were hearing it from, or was this like being declared from the top? This was directly from the pastor. The, yeah, the, he was a Korean pastor. Um, he, his English name was a. At the time, he was a missionary, missionary Enoch, but he became a pastor. But his Korean name is E Hun Lee. Okay. Naturally, when you go to like a church, especially in England, we are slightly ignorant. So I was thinking, hmm, a Korean church, or at the time I thought a Chinese church. So when I learned the word Korean, I was always speaking Korean. And I learned to speak Korean, actually. You Not did? Best. Yeah, quite well, to be honest. And I could, because I wanted to know what they were, what they were say, uh, saying around me. I was quite curious, like, I used to say, like, why don't you speak in English? Right? We're in England. You're coming over speaking. So I remember next to me speaking in your mother tongue. So could you speak in English, please? So I took it upon myself to learn certain words like, so can you read korean can't read it that's the thing i, I was like, i can understand it okay like for example like you know book money but i say always god bless you Higgin means like a black person like a black brother okay but onto certain words like there's even a racial element in the church as well there's a lot there's a lot but once they instill that fear factor into yourself you feel bad for asking questions but I would always ask questions, so I was considered like a troublemaker and a grumbler. So I got a lot of they used to call it education. Believe it or not, this church even gives penalties. So a penalty is something where you go out preaching, 
and you don't get called back till it's like night time. You'll preach all day while all your members go back. And that's if you've probably grumbled, asked the wrong question. They've given you like some church homework and you've not done it. Or you maybe fell out with a member. Because when you're a gospel worker, you go to Zion every day. Sunday to Sunday. Okay. Every day. So as a human being, when you're around the same people in a house church or you get into a bigger church, there are days when some members, you'll, you'll fall out with some members or, you know, some members annoy you. Yeah. <laughs> I'd fell out with certain members we made up. Zion's full of love, but there are times where you're just not in the mood. And then you'd be strongly, strongly rebuked. Strongly. But anytime the pastor gave a sermon and I didn't agree, I wanted to question. I'd be the one to ask, like, that verse is not really, it's not really saying that. I can't see Tuesday worship, Thursday worship in the Bible. You show me numbers, Old Testament, but, and you're telling me Jesus Christ did it, but their answer was, oh, mother said, and mother's the Bible. Okay. <laughs> so correct me if I'm wrong. Were you, were you there? Did you mention the Sabbath that you struggled with? I did struggle with the Sabbath quite a lot, to be honest. Just like the basis, the biblical basis for it? The biblical basis for it, and it could have been the way they explained it as well, but I struggled even more with the Tuesday, third day worship. Like, I must have studied that sermon a thousand times, because if I'm teaching somebody, before I teach it, for example, to you, I have to believe it myself. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Otherwise, I feel like I'm a hypocrite. I've got blind faith. Yeah. And they hate about me that I'd question. And the Korean pastor, sometimes they like to hide. I'd go to his office and I'd, I'd not. Oh, yeah, uh, pastor, you know, I'm struggling with this. Oh, why don't you ask one of the other members? I'm like, oh, well, you did the sermon. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I was very forward. So could you explain it to me? And then um, sometimes I explain certain things. Sometimes he would hide to the point where after a, a worship sermon, he would leave the the sanctuary so fast to avoid your questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. He'd be, you wouldn't see him till the next morning. Wow. And he put a lot of stuff on saying some of the other deacons or the, or his wife, and he was the deaconess at the time. Okay. So I became a member permanently in 2010. I was in college. There was other people on saying their names who dropped out of college. Um. Just so they could preach the gospel to the point where there's a story one day when one of my close friends, we was we was at home. There was a big storm and she ran back to the church because she thought father was coming. That's how That's how paranoid. So so you're saying pretty much from the get-go, from the very beginning they began to instill, like your first experience with, with the church was that they were instilling fear and they were like yeah. the whole basis even of getting you in was largely based on them scaring you into following what they were teaching. Is that yeah. kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm just curious, like, while we're kind of close to the subject, uh, the 2012 stuff, like that to me... It's fascinating um, because, 
you know, you're you're one of many who I've heard that from, and and many members. What's sad is that many current members today are completely unaware of this. They're, com- you know, people who have joined the church within the past couple of years. They know nothing about this, and so this is a this is a big thing that they need to be aware of. That just you know, less than a decade a decade ago, the church was prophesying dogmatically that the father was coming back in 2012, and so I think. Maybe before we started recording, you mentioned that this is something that they said. Um, you mentioned something about like either this is going to happen or the Bible's not true. Um, what, yep. Tell tell us about that. Explain what the context was where that was told to you, and, and kind of okay. talk about that. All right. So there's something in Korea called the General Assembly, where all the Korean pastors they go back to Korea. I think it's for around a couple of weeks. So he went when he went in 2011, my pastor, he came back. He did like a preaching, or they call it like an education, with all the leaders and gospel workers. Only the gospel workers and leaders can join this meeting. So he came and he was, my pastor, he was quite powerful, strong and direct. So he said, clearly, he said, brothers and sisters, please listen. If Father does not come, 2012, the Bible is wrong. I was like, wow. I heard like members crying, the Korean sisters, some of the local members were in tears, like, wow, we don't have long. He said it so clear. Wow. And, you know, we bounced and we wrote it down also, like as proof. So even in some members' book, they would have like 2011, 2012, end. So I want to know, like, You were convinced though, right? You were convinced then. Like 2012 was the end in your mind. It was coming. So, go ahead. Yeah, he did a study. I can't recall a study. I remember him using the book of John quite a lot and the book of um, Ezekiel also. And he got some numbers. He worked it out. And when he calculated the number, it did come up to 2012. So, when he gave me that education, I was very... I was shocked. Okay. It's it's interesting that I th- you kind of mentioned that Mormons and I think other groups, um, I think maybe Jehovah's Witnesses and other groups that really, yeah, there's it's always should be a red flag when you have people setting dates. Like when there's a date, a specific date set, that's, that's almost always a fruit of cult groups, of, of false groups. And so, so tell us, when 2012 came and went, I want to know what was going on in your mind. Well, January 1st, as soon as 2012 came, I was, you know, I was worried. I was scared at the time. My partner was pregnant with my daughters. And we would pray like, oh, if we just get to even see our daughters, please, father and mother, like, we'd be so happy and blessed. So when January 1st came, I went to the pastor and I says, well, now it's 2012. And he says, oh, they have something called, you hear the sacred calendar? I haven't heard of that. Yeah, that's what he used. I think it may be the the Jewish calendar. I'm not too sure. Okay. Call it in Zion, the sacred calendar. And that's how they work out like the Passover is like the first day. No, the 14th day of the first month, I think it was. Okay. Sacred calendar works out to be April. So in their sacred calendar, when it's January 2012 in a normal calendar, 
in Zion's calendar, it's not 2012. So I waited for like that calendar and it fell on the third day worship. He gave a normal sermon. And then he said, I've got an announcement. Passover 2013 is coming. I was like, I was gobsmacked. I was, I was lost for words. I thought, we did all this work in 2012. We had this movement called I Have Already Come. And I was like, I quit my job. I know some people that took out loans. You had quit your job? Pardon? You quit your job over it? Yep. We okay. were told directly wow. that we don't need to work. Wow. Myself, all the leaders were told, team leaders, group leaders, deacons, oh, you guys don't need to work. You need to do the gospel work because Father's coming very, very, very soon. So we thought, we don't need it to go into savings and, and we'll get by. And when he said that, I was sat, I was sat at the back of worship at the time with some new members. I was, I couldn't even function to speak to the new members. I was so angry. Wow. I looked at my, at the time, because they keep the brothers and sisters separate. She looked at me like. What <laughs> just happened? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Because what some people in the room saying, oh, amen. Because in Zion, the church of God, there are a lot of robots that yep. help themselves. And you go from please, wanting to please God to pleasing the pastor. So I went to his office. I could, couldn't get hold of him. His wife came out of the deaconess. Deaconess Anna was her name. I think her Korean name is uh, Yuki's son. Yuki, I think her name was. And then she says, oh, um, Heavenly Mother says that Passover 2013 is coming because even though the temple is ready, you've heard of the tabernacle, the fetal tabernacle. They have to gather the material. In this age, they say the material represents people. And then God will say, it is done. In the Old Testament time, Moses said, it is done. Stop bringing material. It means stop preaching the gospel. So I said, okay, why, why are we still preaching this? She said, Passover 2013 is coming. Like, what's going on? She said, Mother said that now the temple is completed, but now it's time for a temple inspection. I was like, what? So they gave a sermon like, if you, when, once you build a building, like build a house or build a hotel or anything, once it's complete, there's a temple inspection. So now you are the material. Now, Heavenly Mother must inspect you. I've said, no, 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 no. Deaconess. We call it like chips on him, which is a Korean term for deaconess. I said, you told me, well, the pastor told me the Bible is wrong. So what is this now about this completion? I don't understand. Like, you need to help me to understand. But because your faith is so strong and they keep you busy taking care of your members and preparing for... Um, it's called like a presider, where I was a person where I would, um, before the pastor comes, I would sing the new songs and I would do like opening prayer or closing prayer at the time. And so you're so busy sorting out things, sometimes you don't have time. To think. Yeah, to think. But my partner, she's, she was a lot smarter than me, former partner, sorry, and she would question also a lot. And she was like, no, Luke, you need to think about this properly I was like oh no 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 come on you need to concentrate properly and focus on the gospel if heavenly mother says it's temple completion then it's temple completion and 
that's the mindset they install in you. It's fear, but it's also emotional abuse. Yep. To the point where when you see Heavenly Mother, somehow they make you where you, you will break down and cry. I used to watch these DVDs and cry. This is, this is my mother. I, I didn't even know this woman at the time. And she didn't even know you, right? Exactly. Yeah. So basically what you're saying then is that for for a couple years, they were very confidently saying, 2012, Father's coming. And if it yeah. doesn't happen, it proves the Bible's wrong. And That's then a couple saying. days into 2012, obviously Father doesn't come. And so they just kind of brush it aside and start making up another story to cover that up. Is it? To make you feel uncomfortable to ask questions and other brothers and sisters, other leaders begin to whisper like, oh, that brother, he's got, um, can you see me? Yes, I see you. It paused for oh, a sorry. second, but we're good. Yeah, sorry. They'll say, oh, that brother or that sister, he's got weak faith. He's yeah. questioned yeah. what Heavenly Mother said. Heavenly Mother said that now 2013 will come because she's God. Okay. And she's the Bible. That's what they say. Mother is the Bible. How dare you question Heavenly Mother? Are, are wow. you God? So, yeah, yeah. so basically, it's like anything goes. Like they can say anything and just later on change their story. And so yeah. <laughs> it's like there's really no solid foundation to know what's <laughs> true, what's not. Because, I mean, this is something, again, as we're talking about this, like for members watching, like this is something that – people should think about that it was being dogmatically taught that 2012, that was when father was coming. And when that didn't happen, they just immediately changed it and like, well, here's a different story to explain that. And they kind of just brushed it aside. Well, the thing to consider with that is how many other things are they dogmatically teaching you today that like, well, may they, these things may or may not be what they're teaching in a couple of years. And obviously there's things like that, you know, um, I don't know if you watched the video with Jeremy Burgos, the, the first member that we interviewed, but he talks about and, and pulled up, um, there's this, this, this thing, I can't remember what it's called, but you can go back in time basically on websites and you can see where on the official World Mission Society Church of God website, there used to be the information on there about Aung San Kong being born into a Buddhist family and, and all of that. And now... I can tell you that now. That's in the sermon books now. Oh, is it? Okay. I don't know about America, but in England, is it sermon book three? I think the presentation may be called, yeah, it's called The Roots of David. And they say for him to be the Christ, he must have no genealogy. I forgot how they connected it. Okay. So, Anne Sang Hong is born from a non-believing family. Okay. So, I, that, that's, I'm, I might be wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty confident that here in the States, at least most of the members I've talked to, that's something that they try to cover up here. They try to cover up the fact that he was born into a Buddhist family. I think on the, I think I could even pull up websites and, and they, they don't have that information on there. Although they used to have it, they used to have yeah. that on there. They used to acknowledge it. I think now they try to hide it. And I could be, I could even be flipping that back. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. But all that to say, it's, it's uh, a very faulty, shaky foundation that this is all based on. The things that they're dogmatically teaching you today, they might change tomorrow. And so exactly. what can dangerous. you really know? It's, it's really, really um, dangerous and bad because 
there's times where we'd be in the room, like an education room where only gospel workers could go. And this is how strict the church was. If you got to that room late, the pastor would lock the door and he would say, those who were late to the kingdom of heaven, and then we used the parable of, is it the the 12 wise versions or the five wise yeah, versions? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He said, couldn't enter. It would lock you out of the room. And when I was in there, the room would be quiet. He would literally point at the calendar and count like, for example, oh, now it's October. Oh, we don't have long. Father's coming 2012. And he would be like, do you want to be burned? Can you keep a straight face? And he would ask us that straight, like, do you want to be burned? We'd be like, no, pastor, then you need to come Zion every day and preach the gospel. Wow. Otherwise, you will go to hell where the fire never burns out. That's what he would say. How terrible. How yeah, terrible. The room was quiet, quiet. So what, obviously, it sounds like probably for a, a the majority maybe of your, your time in the church, you struggled with doubts. You, you wrestled with doubting and questions. Kind of tell us what kind of pushed you over the edge. What, 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 what doubts started to form? What questions caused you to eventually say, okay, I can't do this anymore. I'm leaving the church. Yeah. Well, one of the things that kept me in the church as well was I did have love for Heavenly Mother. I, I, I really did. Like, I really like, believed in her they have like a form where you can write letters to her obviously I'd, I'd met her twice but what pushed me over the edge was around 2014 now they began to tell you about the year of jubilee this is the year of jubilee so I pulled the pastor's wife and she's very she's a quite a strong woman and she'd be very angry if you um questioned her and whenever she was saying to think Korean, obviously I'd understand her, I'd repeat it. So I'd say, I heard what you said there. You told the pastor I'm grumbling. I'm not grumbling. I'm asking a question. And she'd be like, oh, sorry, he's asking a question. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that, that's what she would do. So I said, I feel like you make events to keep people in and you create like something to keep people going. Oh, it's 2012. Oh, it's temple completion. Now it's the year of Jubilee. So I said to her, what's going to be next? After the year of Jubilee is complete, what do you have next? So I began to struggle a bit from 2014. And then the pastor introduced something called Zion Fun Nights. That's where for one day out of the seven, you could play games, basketball, table tennis. We started watching films. And for the past four or five years, he never allowed us to do that. Like, I didn't even know what the latest film was in the cinema. I didn't even know what the latest music was. <laughs> so it was very, like, strange. And then, like, he said, oh, you can get a job. We was like, he told us not to get a job. So when we started going back, as they call it, the world, which today normal life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was strange. And I started to, I did start to, like, lust after it. And I thought, wow, I'm missed out on a, on a lot of things yeah and it started to make me like waver and then one day i was doing like a i was doing like a sermon to like uh the congregation like after worship and study and then uh one of the sisters she's been there longer than me she asked me a question what was i teaching it could have been um 
without the soul. It's, it's called without the soul. The sermon is basically based on basically um, without without the soul, a body is nothing. Basically, yep. And for example, you can have a mobile phone. You have the battery. It's not going to work. Yep. The body without the spirit is dead, and faith without works yeah, is yeah. dead. From James. Yeah, and she had asked like a ridiculous question, a silly question. So I had said, "Sister, because mainly gospel work is that you should already know this question." And she got a bit annoyed, like, "Oh, I forgot." And then she told the pastor. So in Zion, they have something called a reporting system, where if you do something or you see something what you don't like or brothers shouldn't do. They report it to the pastor. And there's a lot, you know, it's, they say it's full of love. In Zion, there's a lot of competition. Everybody's competing, not for father's love, not for mother's love, for the pastor's love. Actually. Okay. okay. He's like approval. So everybody's fighting, oh, I'm going to become a deacon first, or I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And then when I delivered that presentation and told her she should have known, I kind of rebuked her a little bit. She had told the pastor, and the pastor is something very, very, like, rude. So I was away with family because he, he allowed us to visit our family. And then he had called a meeting in Zion, invited everybody except me and my partner. And another brother came to my house and told me and says, oh, um, do you know about uh, Leader Luke? Well, I was a group leader, so they called him, like, Leader Luke or, like, Brother Luke. Oh, Sometimes, oh, he's quite arrogant. Oh, he walks around like, oh, you know, he the, owns that. Like, they were saying this about you? Yeah. Okay. Says, oh, but while I, I, was, I was even there, and if he's not careful, his name will, will be blotted out the book of life, and he can't be 144,000, and he can't go to heaven. And he used, he used a fearful example, I forgot, something to do with, like, physical prison and heavenly prison. And they said, also, oh, please learn from his mistake. So when I found out about it, I was quite annoyed. So I said, um, if I've done something wrong or if I was, should have been not as strong with my presentation, then why can you just sat me down and told me? <laughs> I've been in this church for so many years. Why can't you tell me? Oh. So basically they were, so was this the pastor, like kind of the leader? Yeah. Yeah. The so he, he was kind of going behind your back and basically communicating to other people that you were, Going to hell? Is that exactly? Wow! Exactly, and it's not the first time that you've done it. He done, had done it about my former partner's sister as well, where he has said directly, "Oh, um, she's not one hundred and forty-four thousand, which means uh, she's not going to heaven alive." Okay. So I asked him about it, and he had denied this to my face. I remember actually recorded it and told me and says, "No, he did. He did say those. He he did say those things." Wow. So I, was quite, I was quite annoyed and, and another leader actually says oh then if Luke leaves oh, he will take care of all of his fruit and should I take care of all of his fruit so I was like they didn't say oh how can we help him get better how can we save him it was oh he, he's, he can be replaced <laughs> do, do you know what I mean I was really wow. upset wow. and I still kept going I tried to keep my faith at this time my partner was really annoyed so she just stopped. Okay. She said, I told you, if you have any questions about me or Luke, then please ask us. Don't Do go behind ask. our back. Yeah. They've got a habit of asking other people about you instead of asking yep. you directly. Yep. So well, she will 
sorry. No, I was going to just say, well, what that is, it's just, it's a manifestation of fake love. It's false love. It's, it's not sincere. You know, it's not, it's Jesus promoted and what he taught is, is like an inward change of the heart. And what I'm constantly hearing from members like yourself is that what's going on inside the church is a robotic, fake, empty love. Um, and that's just everything you're saying is just so in line with that, that this is, they had, they weren't genuinely loving or caring for you or your soul. It was like, like, oh, he's causing trouble. This guy's a troublemaker. Well, he can be replaced sort of deal instead of like the sincere, heartfelt love and concern for you. This is kind of the stuff that ultimately made you leave. Yeah. Okay. So, kind of tell us what, kind of tell us that really quick, like what the what the, the end point of that. It was um, the pastor's actions, the lies he told, because I always question about 2012, the the year of jubilee, how how that suddenly came out of nowhere, where it went to be the year where we go back to our heavenly country and we'll we'll taste the honey and all these kind of things he would say to me. Just be then I began to doubt and then. My partner at the time searched the internet, which is forbidden. Yep. And he had seen that mother had children and father had children. And she took that really bad. Okay. Really, really, really bad. And I was in a meeting, even in front of me, <laughs> the pastor's in a meeting about my partner at the time in the church and said, those who are close to her will not be saved. Because she's eaten from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I was sat wow. there like, wow, are you telling me I should leave her? Should I, should I move out? And then we asked directly because she said, if Heavenly Mother is God and she's only come because she's God, why is she indulging in worldly stuff such as sex? And not once, clearly more than once, if she has three children. And then you've been told that one of the mother has pastors that follow her, that follow father, and women that call Guansa names, they're allegedly her daughters. Apparently, general pastors related to her as well. I'm not too sure if it's true. But you'd ask these questions and they wouldn't answer. And they kind of alienated us for a little bit. And that's when we showed us the DVD about the, uh, the fake bride and uh, stuff like that. But it wasn't really getting clear cut answers. answers as to why mother has children. Okay. It was children. So he says, Well, father, definitely does his sons have come out and said that you stole his truth and he didn't say he was God. Oh, they'd say, Oh, as you know, even Jesus Christ wouldn't say he's God. I'd say, But yes, he did. And even indirectly in certain verses, he would he say, did. I am the father I want. Yep. Before Abraham was, I am. <laughs> yeah, he, he clearly um, quoted it uh, many times and said, that's also a contradiction because if you say that he's Christ and Christ is God, then that means Father's not God then. They started to contradict himself a lot and then slowly he began to fall away. She fell away quicker than I did and we started to live a life a bit more, you know, book a holiday. We'd get sermons in the church where the pastor would say, those who are booking holidays, you know, indirectly and planning for the future. Oh, it's not good. Apostle Paul said we must forcefully advance the kingdom of heaven. 
So those who want to live for the world will die in the world. It's it, it, it safe. It's safe. Things like that. And then after a while, we all fell away. Like all the members that joined when, when the time I joined, we all fell away one by one. Really? Because I know brother who we were close to, and I've, I've really tried my best. I did even after all that. I really try my best to keep my faith. I mean, you you create relationship with these people. I was only seventeen when I joined this place. I was young in my prime. I think I was around twenty six, twenty five at the time. When I, when I'd left, I was really like struggling. I'd only known that place. You don't have any friends or anything. Mm-hmm. I'd only know like my day was wake up, go to Zion with the family, stay all day in Zion, go home, wake up again, go to Zion. So it was your life. It was it was yep. intricately connected to who you were as a person, to your identity yep. as a person. I told family, oh, you want to see my mom, for example, you want to see your granddaughters then? Like, you need to come to Zion. I told my sister, if you don't come to Zion, then you're, you're not going to see me. Wow. And they'd say, oh, you're a robot. Like, what about your family? I'd say, oh, you are earthly family. This is my heavenly family. So I love you, but if you don't come to Zion, it means that, or you just a temptation for me. So wow. if you come to church and keep the Passover, we can spend all the time you like. That's what I'd say. Wow, man, it's just what a lie, man. It's just, it's frustrating. I mean, every time I hear these testimonies, it just it makes me so glad we're doing this, and just the hopes that somebody is listening that will be snapped to their senses as they're hearing this stuff. Um, and so... I believe, like God, I believe unknowingly, you used to uh, probably even working for God, and I, I really believe you're doing the work of God. I believe in um, faith and destiny. So I believe I didn't come across your channel by chance. I mm-hmm. do believe it. Because I couldn't could just click through anything, and um, there's something that drew me to it to the point where after watching it, it gave me the confidence to send yeah. that, you know, send that message. Yep. Well, something, something, um, and and I have several more questions I want to ask, but something that I, I would encourage you with, just as I know, like coming out of this, I'm telling all these former members, I can't imagine what that's doing in your mind as far as how you think about God and trying to figure out how do I, how do I even process what a relationship with God would look like or how do I even process the the questions of whether he's even real or not and if he is real what does it actually look like to follow him and what's true and what's not true Um, something I would just encourage you with is that I agree I don't think it's by accident at all that you came here and, and I think you're you're a smart guy and so I think you you're aware that there is a God God exists he's real um so what I would I would encourage you with is this, this is one way I'm, I kind of think about this is like, if you had like mathematics, mathematics is something we all agree upon. We know that it works. We know that it correlates with reality. Um, and so like, say as an illustration, like if somebody had taken you and for like years of your life had taught you to do math incorrectly and had convinced you to do math in such a way where it was actually leading you to come up with the wrong solutions That's and you good. thought you're, you thought you're doing math correctly. Um, well, when you come out of that, I would, I, what I'm just begging members to do is don't throw away math 
you know, throw away that teacher, throw away all the wrong teachings, but but don't throw away the Bible, don't throw away God, because just the simple fact that these guys came and taught you math incorrectly doesn't mean that mathematics itself is not a reality and isn't real and doesn't actually work in real life when explained and understood correctly. And so this group, the World Mission Society, has taken a reality, which is the Bible and the truth of God and Jesus, and they've completely twisted it and, and distorted it. 100%. Yes. But I, I would just, um, what, what I believe and am firmly convinced of is that just like mathematics is still a reality and it's still true, it's still real, and there's still a real way to utilize it in life. I think that's the exact same thing with God and with the person of Jesus Christ. And it's so grieving and so sad and frustrating to me that this group has is is wasting years of your life and they're yes. twisting members' minds about who God is so that when you come out on the other side of it, you're in a place where you're like, I don't even know what to do with God. And it probably, you probably even in large part feel somewhat turned off to the idea of God. Yeah, I, I was an atheist and as I left that affair because I felt like I thought, well, if that church is wrong, they must be all wrong because yes, didn't celebrate Christmas, the, the Sabbath, many reasons why I thought that's just it for me, but I've always had a yearning for the word of God. So I still pray and give thanks to God, but just not in that, in that name, not in Ansan Hong's name. Yes. I pray. I just say, Jesus, I just say, God, thank you, God, you know, for today. Hmm. Give him love, give him, and stuff like that, because it's really, really damaging. I had members that would even, like, sometimes they still gather, and, like, all the members, let me be clear, and some of them would break down, and, like, they cry, and they'd be like, wow, man, I'm never going to get those seven years back. Yep. Like, I've come out, like, we're almost 30, like... When I was 19, 20, 21, 22, 25, I'd missed out on, on, on so much things. So we tried to look at it positively. Like I said before the recording, there's people who've actually been sectioned and are now in psychiatric wards for you know mental health in hospitals because of this church. Wow. Because they're all shocked that 2012 has passed. Yeah. It's still here. That prophecy really affected a lot of people in the United Kingdom. It was emo it's literally like emotional abuse. These people are literally, they're taking these people, locking them in a, like a, an intellectual prison with these, this knowledge. It's like they're locking them inside this prison cell and then they're abusing them and using them and mistreating them with doctrine. And so it's literally then physically resulting in these people having to be institutionalized. Yeah, it's that's shame. crazy. One thing also I'd want to say about the church is um is how they are you there? Yes, I got yeah, you. So, yeah, one thing I want to say about the church is also how it's run. Um, I was in the church for many years before I became, you could say, like promoted. I only became promoted in the church once I started to give them more money. Because I do my normal tithes and offerings and you've got like another offering, it's a brown envelope where it says like offering for Zion for around for around the world or X, Y, and Z, wherever. As soon as I started to give personal money directly to the pastor, 
all of a sudden, oh, um, Brother Luke, would you like to do opening prayer? Would you like to become a group leader? Wow. So what qualified you for leadership is the amount of, of money you are giving, which, which just shows how the, again, the foundation of this church, what it's based upon is not upon the grace of God or the merit that God gives us in Jesus and the blood of Christ, the work he did on the cross. The merit is in what we do, what we, what we bring to the table rather than what Christ has brought to the table for us, which is the true gospel. They make it all about you do your part, you put in your time, you put in your tithes, and the more you do, the more blessing you'll get, which is, yeah. is uh, it's just, and I've said this over and over, but it's it's everything that, it, it's, it's an absolute clearest, most uh, flat out way you could contradict Romans chapter four, where, where Paul says that God gives us salvation, he gives us blessing, he gives us favor as a free gift. And then he even goes on to say, if somebody, you know, if, if, if somebody works and you give him wages for that work, it's not counted as a gift, but it's his due. You, you're, it's a transaction. And, exactly. and this is exactly what you're describing is they were, they were qualifying you for certain positions and certain uh, spiritual significance based on your, uh, your payment, basically, your putting in the work. It was a transaction, right? Exactly. To the point where I ended up saying to one of the other leaders there, I said, oh, Deacon, uh, chips on him. I feel like I'm paying for this blessing. Like I'm preparing, I'm preparing, opening prayer for worship and all the new songs for the presider. But I feel as though I've, I've just paid for this. He was like, no, this is having a blessing. Like she chose you. So I said, why didn't you choose me earlier or before? I was like, I've been here from the beginning. You said you met mother. Can yeah, you twice. twice? Can you describe that experience? And basically what I'm wanting to hear out of this is like, I want to get from you. Um, okay, it's it's crazy to me that this Korean woman is believed by so many people that this is God. Like with no evidence. Okay. And I know what members say when I bring that up as well, you know, you're just being like the Jews who asked for signs and that wasn't, you know, mother came to fulfill prophecy and not to do miracles and which is a total cop out. It's a complete, it's a complete cop out because Jesus came to fulfill prophecy, but he was constantly doing things, performing signs, even just his moral, his unique moral character that was proving that he was God. Um, Everything about Jesus's life, both then up till 2000 years later, it's like you can look at it, you can examine the evidence and you, you have to say, I don't care if you're an atheist or a Catholic or a believer or whatever, you have to say, this man, Jesus is unique. There's something like even yeah. secular people say like, this is the greatest moral teacher of all time. But, <laughs> but so what's crazy to me is that people will just give their entire lives to this woman, this Korean woman, and she has done absolutely nothing to give any evidence to point people to the, to the idea and to prove that she is God. Um, so what I want to know is like, what was that experience like? And in that experience, was there anything in you that was like, oh yeah, she's God, she, she must be God. Or was it more like when you, when you met her, 
did it produce any questions or doubts about like, is this woman really, like, is this really God? Yeah, let me explain. Before I go on to answer that question, let me give you a quote from a former member that I brought to the church and I tried to teach him about Heavenly Mother. He said to me, he looked to me and he said to me, Leader, Eva, she's God or she really thinks she's God? <laughs> so let me, now, now let me answer your question. Before you begin to learn in detail that Heavenly Mother is on this planet, they... They really bottled you up. You fed a lot. Like you could say you seasoned yep. a lot. And then they teach you about a presentation called the Heavenly Wedding Banquet. Is that Matthew chapter 25? Somewhere around there. That sounds right. <laughs> yeah. And they teach you about another topic called Jerusalem Mother. And they brought you up about if there's a father, there must be a mother in heaven also. So at the time you're thinking, okay, mother's in heaven. And then they say, no, she's on this earth. And you have to watch a DVD. So when you watch the DVD, there's so much emotional abuse yeah. in this DVD that you commit sin against your mother in heaven. How could you? Now mother is old and she's on this earth. Look at her and they show you a picture and members going to visit her and how she struggles and wakes up at 5am, which she doesn't. And how she prays for us all by name, didn't know my name, and reads every letter, and they stole this into and you're like, oh my God, mother's on this earth, I want to meet God, I want to meet your heavenly mother, and that's what they do. And I was really upset that the first visit I, I missed out on, and members who came later than me got to go, and I honestly believe it was because I was black. In the UK, I can't speak for other churches, but in the UK... The Korean pastor had a very, very big racial element. Wow. To the point where he told me directly, brother, this is the UK, England, the Queen, white people. If we show a DVD to the members around the world of Manchester Zion, because the UK Zion is predominantly black, by the way. Okay. It looks like this is the church of God in Africa, not the UK. So... When the white members come, oh, we need to put them at the front to the point where they would literally put a member in front of you. Showing up when people are praying, they take a picture to the consent to head office. That's what they do. And getting back to the point, by the time you've watched this DVD and you've studied so many topics, they, they make you, you do believe it. It's hard to say, but you, you do believe you it. You do believe, okay. So when you met her, you just, you kind of briefly just, mentioned that she didn't know your name so you get a name tag and that's why i said why have i got a name tag and um, i thought heavenly mother knew all about me didn't she make me a group leader like i don't understand oh well mother came in the flesh and has put on sinner's clothing so that's why she needs the name tag they say even angels from heaven they come and they look at mother and they feel sad for what we have done to her <laughs> wow that's the easiest they say. Oh, man. It's terrible. They say, they say, didn't Jesus Christ, didn't he use the toilet? Because he's in the flesh. Didn't he get tired? Because he's in the mother's tired now. But and Jesus Jesus knew 
people's name. I mean, the woman at the well who wasn't even a follower of him, who was who was uh, a, an adulteress and had multiple husbands and wasn't was in, in the eyes of religious people was just a, the sinner, a sinner of sinners. He knew details about her. And she went after her encounter with Jesus. She ran back and said, like, I, I just met somebody who knew everything about me. Everything I ever did is the thing she yeah. said. And so Jesus, again, this just goes right back to Jesus proved that he was God. You, these members can say all they can say all they want. You know, well, mother came to fulfill prophecy. She came in the flesh. Well, Jesus came to fulfill prophecy. He came in the flesh, but he still knew details about people. I think it was Philip or one of the disciples before he met Jesus that it, it talks about, I think, in the, the Gospel of John, that Jesus saw him under the, the fig tree or something like that. He saw him under yes. the tree before he yeah. even met. And, and Philip was like, wow, you know this about me? Like, you must really be the Christ or something like that. And, and Jesus says something to the extent of, like, there's more from where that came from. <laughs> it's kind of the implication he gives. Heavenly mother can't tell you anything about you what she's not already received yeah. from the pastor. When you become a leader in a church, you then know that a lot of information is sent to, they call it head office, where Heavenly Mother is, or Zhang Jia, and that's how she gets all your information. So she knows about you because... She's being told. Times, yeah, if you're the leader, nine times out of ten, you told her. Yeah. So that's how she knows. Okay. So did that bother you? At the time, straight away, it didn't. It didn't. Okay. What abuse you like? Don't you know that mother is tired and mother will stay awake to greet all the members that are coming from the UK, from the USA, from Nepal, from Africa, from this place and that place. And you focus on her, but you only really see having a mother when there's a picture or at dinner time, she'll speak. Apart from that, you get a one-to-one -one where there's a translator. And you probably get, I think it's a maximum of two minutes with Heavenly Mother. Okay. And so you can't ask her too much. And to be honest, you don't know if what they're translating is actually what you're saying as well by her answers. Yeah. That's why I to learn Korean, Korean and make sure that what I was saying was actually going to her. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I've met Angel Jar. The second time was a lot more personal because that's when I had just left. And she'd phoned me. I got a random call. And I heard, oh, hello, hello. Um, hello, my son. Of course, I mean, it was at the time mother. So I was like, I was sleeping. Time different. I said, oh, wow. Heavenly mother, like, hello. I didn't know what to say. She goes, oh, please come back to Korea. Please come. I will get your ticket. You and I won't say their names. Um, three of her brothers, please come. Because we had left because of things with the pastor and because of what I explained before. So she said, please come. And that was the 69th. No, sorry, that was the 70th overseas meeting group. There's only been two more after it from what I know. So that was the 70th overseas meeting group that I went to. And then um, I went. And this visit was very different. Different because I got to spend a lot more time probably around them, probably because I refused to do certain things where I said, I'll come, but I'm not coming to listen to the same sermon five times. Yeah. And I said, so when I came, I, was, I said, I got there and I was like, I might go back. And they were like, why? I said, because it's just weird. Like, if mother's God, why is she calling me now? Why it took for me to leave for her to call me? So they took me to like this room, which is like her office. 
where she comes through like the wall. It's obviously like a door on either side. They tried to make it like oh, like oh, play music. And they play music. Like, yeah, yeah. They play like um, they call it new song in the background. Okay. And she, oh, and my son. Sometimes we need to spend time in the world and come back. And she basically blamed everything on the pastor in Manchester. Everything was his fault. She, he was blocking me from you. So I said, your God, how was he blocking my letters? How was he blocking certain things? Surely he can't block my prayers. He could block me physically. Yeah. Not spiritually. And she goes, oh, yes, that's why you're here now. Like, beating around the bush. I actually saw Heavenly Mother fall asleep in worship. Then you'll probably get a lot of abuse in your channel for this or people denying it. But I saw with my own eyes on the pulpit while General Pastor was speaking, Heavenly Mother, doing this, I seen that with my own eyes. Wow. The second when I was a lot more observant and a lot, I had a lot more questions. So she tried to like, you know, bribe me. Oh, take this money, you buy something for your partner, buy something for your kids. Here's a gift. One of the gifts she gave me, she gave me, was a gift what another member had given her when I read the back of the gift. She made me feel like she got out of way to buy me a gift. No, it wasn't. It was a gift that you probably get from all these churches around the world. That you probably don't even look at or care for. And you just threw it to me. <laughs> I, was, I was shocked. So, wow. that visit, sorry, I still had a bit of faith. So I come back. So I attended probably three worships after that in the UK. And the pastor says, oh, for the Luke. Are you ready to preach? I said, what? Oh, you came from crew, you met mother again, right? I said, yeah, but please believe it. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ready to preach. <laughs> <laughs> preach against her, maybe. Yeah, exactly. I said, I've still got, you know, a lot of things. And I felt like saying to him, like, if you knew what she told me about you, <laughs> then you wouldn't be saying that to me. Wow. Put all the fault on the pastor. And the first that... time... I a brother who is my fruit had to get sent home because he had suffered a like a institutional psychiatric attack on the trip. It was really, really hard for me because like I was struggling even mentally now myself. I was like, "Why have you called me now?" Like at the time, I said, "Mother, you know, I respect." I said, "Like you had so much time to call me." I said, "I've indulged in worldly pleasures. I'm, I'm living my life, and I've come because clearly there's still a part of me that." belong to this church, which is only natural because I spent a lot of my life in here, all my prime in this church. So it was hard. So somehow, only God knows, she managed to convince me and another brother a little bit when I came back. It's only when I came back to England and the pastor was doing the same things that I left permanently because she had told me that she's going to deal with the things he's doing and sort it out. And she didn't. And then... 2018, I got a call from this was the London pastor, and he said, "Oh, brother Luke, please come to Zion." I was like, "Oh, why?" He said, "Um, I've got something to tell you." I says, "Well, you can tell me over the phone." And why are you telling me? Um, why have I got to come? So I went with another brother, and he said, "Pastor Enoch has been blotted out the Book of Life." I was shocked. That means being kicked out of the church. I was like, "The pastor, the Korean pastor." Was this your pastor? Yeah. Okay. He's been part of the church. So I was like, why do we like, oh, he's been robbing Zion? 
we knew for a long time. So I said, if he'd been robbing the church, didn't have any mother know, like, this didn't make, I said, do you realise this is making me feel even more worse, more angry now? I'm thinking maybe you shouldn't have told me that. Yeah. It was like, no, we knew, but we was waiting for the right time. As sure. Like right. Deal with him and his wife. So I said, but he caused a lot of issues. Me, my former partner, all my brothers, we left because of how he, our treatment by him, his racist treatment, his emotional abuse, and the fear he put into us. Why didn't mother stop it before? Why is it took for him to rob you, if he really did rob them, which I don't believe, to be honest, for, for you to now say that? Do that, oh, we're sorry, we're sorry. Oh, please feel free to come back to Zion anytime you like. We really want you to come back. We miss you. Members who alienate me were like, oh, we're so sorry. Um, we just decided to follow the pastor. So I said, that goes to show you've got blind faith. You followed the pastor. You I said, I questioned everything I did, and that's why he wasn't very fond of me, because I wasn't going to just do it without thinking through the book. Yep. Explanation. And he hated that. He used to get angry um, about that. So it made me become atheist even more, because I thought, he's robbed the chair. She's been taking tithing offerings. I thought, it's shocking to the point where, I won't say their name, a former okay. member... So two former members received in total maybe around eight grand each from the church because of what the pastor was doing. He was taking money from a lot of us. That's why even if that church sees his video, if anybody should be doing any suing it, it should be me. <laughs> but I've, we've let a lot of it slide. If the only thing I really want back, what I can't get back is my time. Yeah. What I put into that church, I really like... We gave our whole life to that church and what they've done is like, it's, it's horrible. Like, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Yep. Like, they would, I remember members sat in there like shaking when they give sermons about, if you don't bear fruit, you can't be saved. You're a battery. How can a battery bear good fruit? And there were certain members who, they couldn't bear fruit and bear any fruit. And they would literally cry and not eat. It fast like for days. You'd see them lose weight because they were thought they thought, "Oh, I'm not going to be saved now because I'm not bore any fruit." Wow. <laughs>